You're now tuned in to the cold, hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea piping hot so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via whatsapp at 324-1612 email tips at caymanmarlroad.com now here's your host sandy hill broadcasting live from the beautiful cayman islands Magandang araw po mga kababayan, Joy Anglin po. Nabili na po ba ninyo ang dish pack ng Miracle Brokers? Up to 200 pounds kaya pong ilagay dito. Halina po kayo, dito Christmas na sa Pilipinas. Tamang-tama po para sa mga ate at kuya. Halina po kayo dito sa Miracle Brokers. Miski ano, pwede pong ilagay dito sa box. Pwera lang po ang jowa nyo. Contact us at 949-5989 or email us at info at Miracle Brokers.
Good morning.
Woohoo! There we go, folks. Oops. Uh, 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 uh. Don't need to me. There we go. So who do we have? Ervalyn, good morning. And by the way, Ervalyn, I was just saying, I think you missed it when we first got started, but little birdie told me that you were partying this entire weekend. And in fact, that you had not one, but two birthday parties. I was like, what? Ervalyn has got things going on. So do tell us how the birthday weekend was. Um... I think you should hear sound, Ervlyn. Yes, Ervlyn was kicking off the weekend with her birthday parties, parties, plural. Having a good old time. So wake up, K-Man. Ervlyn was partying this weekend. Happy birthday, Ervlyn, with your two-party self. So we were just saying that in terms of political parties, um, Mr. Ezard has the Cayman Islands People's Party, which we want to find out a little bit more about. And so hopefully, maybe next week, he will be able to join us on the program. They do have some meetings this week, so I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about those. Um, don't forget that our community calendar, folks, is a great way to um, get your event information out there. So if you have an event, whether it's a political meeting or otherwise, you can uh, certainly let us know about it and we'll put it on the calendar. There's some events that do attract a small um, posting fee. So we can tell you, um, you know, what those are, and you can certainly feel free to join in the conversation from there. But um, yeah, so his events are on our calendar, and then I'll show you guys, I'll actually share the um, event posting here with you in a second so that you can have that as well. So other news yesterday included um, our second COVID patient dying. So that was probably the biggest news story of the day. Um, the lady was an elderly lady, probably in her 60s. She was retired, elderly civil servant. Uh, she's not originally from Cayman, but she has lived in the Cayman Islands for a very long time. So we are aware of who she is, but obviously I think um, it doesn't really matter in terms of, you know, a name per se. Most people don't actually know her anyway, I found, that most people are like, who is it? And they don't actually know is, is why they're asking that question. Uh, but she's not someone that would probably have been on your radar. You know, she was just a worker bee. And apparently she was not well. Um, otherwise, she was actually receiving chemotherapy treatment. And so um, she succumbed to her. Apparently she was in Jamaica getting treatment. And she is a cynical patient. She has lifelong cynical benefits. So I think from a cost perspective, it was cheaper for her to come to the Cayman Islands and receive treatment. So she opted 
to do that. And um, in her opting to do that, she as she came back in, she was obviously tested right away. And it was discovered that she was positive for COVID-19. She was hospitalized. Um, and remember the same time we were doing the story about the children, like Red Bay School being shut down, all that sort of stuff. It was around that time that she was hospitalized. And then the following day, placed on a ventilator. And uh, unfortunately, she does not appear to have improved and she passed away on Sunday afternoon. So good morning to Miss Beulah. Good morning, Ervalyn. Good morning, um, Mr. Walton. Hi, Morna, how you doing? And of course we knew, probably within an hour or so of her passing that she had passed, um, we did not announce it on Sunday because we were still in the process of doing some verifications, but we had received it from multiple sources that um, she had indeed passed away. So um, our condolences to her family. You know, at the end of the day, it's certainly never easy for anyone to lose a loved one under any conditions really. But now it's, um, you know, as a result of COVID. So in COVID news, they're looking at some potential vaccines being, um, you know, useful to countries around the world. The UK made an announcement yesterday that the Moderna, I think that's the company, vaccine is one that they are keeping an eye on and they've already pre-reserved um, like an initial contract of a lot of that um, vaccine. So good morning to Andy. Good morning, Kizzy. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Joy. Good morning, Ingrid. And hi, Tracy. So listen, we would be amiss if we did not talk about what is happening around us in terms of Hurricane Iota. Um, someone said my sound is gone. Hmm. I'm not sure why it still is up on my end. Maybe try refreshing. Can everybody hear me? I guess one person can't. Um, yeah, try refreshing and see what happens. So, um, yes, so you guys can hear me. Yep. Okay, so try refreshing, my dear. So, Amanda, thank you so much for tuning in. So, listen, um, Hurricane Iota is an unbelievable storm. It went again, just like the last storm, from a thunderstorm to a major hurricane in the matter of just a couple hours. I mean, it's a whopper. Yesterday, early in the morning after midnight, it made landfall or as close to landfall as it was going to get to um, San Andres, uh, proven. It's San Andres, Providencia, and Santa Catalina. 
So these are Arpagal, Ar, Arp, Arpelago. How the heck do you say this one? Arpelago. Is that, that doesn't sound right. Arpelago. I always feel like I want to, the Spanish would definitely pronounce it differently. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me get some, some Google definition help here. Here we go. Archipelago. Archipelago. We'll pronounce it the English way for sure. I feel like the 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 um the Spanish speakers would pronounce it very differently. And I was looking at it with all the little tildes and accent points. So um these are a group of islands and um it includes uh, San Andreas, um, Santa Catalina, and Providencia. Now, I don't know if there's any other ones in the area, but I think those are the three main ones that are definitely inhabited. So it's a small cluster of, um, of islands. And so, <clears throat> They are currently tied to Colombia. There's been a bit of an interesting history of uh, their association and how they've like changed hands and stuff over the years. So um, they were impacted by Hurricane Iota. As a, initially as a category four, and then she turned into, I guess Iota's a she, I don't even know, turned into um, a category five major hurricane with 160 miles per hour wind. So these poor islands were almost in the direct path of the storm. I don't think they're very big islands, but um, San Andres is located in the Caribbean Sea, about 470 miles northwest of the coast of Colombia. But Colombia actually owns it. Originally it was Spain and then it's like changed hands a couple times. So it's Colombian uh, connected at the moment. And um, the island has been largely devastated. And in particular, the island of Providencia um, which has sustained a large degree of damage. It is reported that some 98% of the structures there are damaged. So, um, you know, the interesting thing about the history, there's a lot of history for those uh, island chains, including the Americans tried to inhabit them, but that didn't work out for them. They didn't do well with that. So they pretty much gave up and decided to um, go elsewhere. But it is mountainous terrain. Uh, beaches, so they do have a lot of um, waterfront beaches. And um, 
it looks like a beautiful place. I mean, it looks like a beautiful uh, number of, of islands, right? But yes, unfortunately, they are dealing with a great degree of devastation now. So the storm went past them, over them, headed for Nicaragua and the coast of Honduras again, the border of Honduras. So um, we have some video footage of the storm and I should warn you that um, it's just shocking really. So good morning to Anna, good morning um, Duran, Darlene, thank you so much for tuning in all the way from the UK. Yeah, so it's uh, Larry, hi. I'm gonna bring it up here because I do want you guys to see this. I've understood that um, Catalina is completely, the words used were, uh, wiped off the map. So, um, I don't even know what that means, really. I mean, you know, wiped off the map, like, whoa. I don't know how many people lived on that island. I don't really know much about the islands, to be honest. So we are trying to reach someone there to see if we can get, um, yeah, Amanda, it's one of those words that's kind of difficult to pronounce. Like you have to remember how to say it if you haven't said it in a while. Um, it is a little bit challenging to understand the level of devastation. I mean, we have obviously been through our own massive hurricane before category five. Now, the most interesting thing about this is this is the first time that um, a massive hurricane, a category five hurricane has hit these islands. And I think Colombia, I don't think that Colombia ever really gets um, hurricanes of this magnitude. So I believe their last major storm was 1932, which is interesting because isn't that the same year that we also had um, before Ivan or sort of most destructive storm. So let's have a look at some footage here. Atlas is joining us in the UK. Um, and Amanda says that San Andreas is smaller than Cayman and that's the biggest of the three islands. Wow. So that gives you an indication of size. Thank you so much, uh, Amanda, for clarifying that. Um, sometimes it's hard to look at maps and to understand, like comparatively speaking, how big or how small an island is, right? And uh, they, the three islands for sure appear to be devastated. Their population seems to be roughly the same size as ours. So about 61,000 um, back in 2018. Good morning to Siobhan. Good morning, Eunice. Uh, Eunice says San Andres is a beautiful place. I love it there. Uh, but the people there is okay if your homes lost their roofs, pools are down. 
and electricity is out. So Eunice has some information on San Andreas. Um, polls are down. Thank you, Bonnie. So I do understand um, that in fact, some persons, you know, we do have people here in Cayman with connections to San Andreas. And of course, some people have indicated that they have lost um, their homes as a result of this storm. So um, I think it really is now a matter of trying to understand how bad the storms were. Um, like I said, Providencia and Santa Calina, uh, yes, they were the two islands that definitely got the brunt of the storm um, with Pro, uh, Providencia having you know, about 98% of their structures damaged, which sounds very familiar to us. I mean, that's pretty much what happened to us in, in Ivan. It may not have been 98%, but it was like 95% or something. It was quite a significant number. So definitely our thoughts and prayers go out to them. Um, Blanca mentions that the island's actually closer to Nicaragua than Colombia. And I can see that on the map for sure. I can definitely see that on the map. Um, so Sue reminds us about the hurricane of 1932, which I don't even think had a name. They just called it the hurricane of 1932. When did they start naming hurricanes? I don't know. That's something that we can look at. But let's have a quick look here, folks, at this video footage. And um, we can then get an idea of what they were dealing with. I mean, we had... Ivan some uh, 16 years ago now. So I think it's for a lot of us, you know, anytime you go through something traumatic, the brain has a way of protecting you from that trauma. So what the brain does is the brain kind of smooths it over. As time goes on, especially, your memories just become more faint of the event. And somewhere in the back of your head, you think, oh, it wasn't that bad of an experience although it was really horrific in the moment. Uh, it kind of reminds me of people, you know how people are married, they get a divorce and they remarry the same person and you think to yourself, how does that happen? Well, how it happens is the brain makes them forget all the bad stuff they went through during the first round. <laughs> so they get ready for round two and then once they're back in it, they're like, oh, what was I thinking? All right, folks, let's just have a, um, a quick look at this. I'm aware that our guests are waiting to join us as well to talk about um, their nonprofit efforts. So Paula, thank you so much, Ms. Paula Rose. Paula says, uh, Providencia and Catalina are similar to size to Cayman Brack. Oh, nice. Um, let's just see here. So yes, that certainly puts things in perspective. She says it's devastated. The military and Coast Guard are trying to get there to render assistance and there's no communication. Um, yes, so Eunice confirms, and in case you have not read her story, we did, I was actually up until about one o'clock last night trying to push this story out because I do know that we are the only local news source that actually covers stuff that's happening in our neighboring regions, the Caribbean, and even um, South and Central America to certain extents. So we've been covering, obviously, the devastation in Nicaragua and um Honduras for sure, and also um, 
now with uh, San Andres, Providencia, and Santa um, Carol Santa Catalina, my apologies, uh, being impacted by this as well. So we did put up some information last night about the storm. And again, this hit them as initially a category four as it was starting to come in and then it became quickly a category five storm. So it was a major hurricane and it is the um, first to hit that area of that magnitude. And uh, you guys are absolutely right. As you'll see in our article from last night, communications are down. Um, one reported death, another person missing. And uh, there's so little communication. No planes can go in to reach uh, Providencia at this particular time. And the Colombian Navy is said to be en route to offer some assistance to the people there. So um, it must be quite a scary situation being cut off from communicating to people, communicating with people, my apologies. Um, yeah, so late last night, around midnight, Hurricane Iota was slated to head um, directly to Nicaragua. And so we'll get a little bit of an update here in a minute. Um, but like I said, I'm aware that we have guests waiting. So we don't want to be rude to our guests. We're going to pull them in here in a second. So um, give me one second. Eunice says that her husband's family has had to, um, they're in... Bogota, Colombia. Um, Sharon says, Sandra, you're doing the best right now uh, when it comes to news. Thank you so much, Sharon. I really appreciate that. Uh, like I said, yesterday was one of those days that as a news day, it was just really, really busy. We had our first COVID death, we our second COVID death, my apologies. We had the storms that we were watching. We had some court cases that we were watching, um, which I'll update you guys with a little bit later on. Uh, good morning, Lenny. Thank you so much for uh, being a source of information for us as well on the um, on the islands and what has been going on there with San Andreas and Providencia uh, and Sa Santa Catalina because he has been sending us early on some information on the storm. So we really do appreciate that as well. So let's have a look, folks, at uh, the video footage that we have here. Like I said, it's quite shocking. But, um, you know, we need to, to realize how fortunate we are and also how much other people are going through and suffering at the moment so that we can galvanize our resources to assist them where we can.
All right, folks. Um, so that is uh, unfortunately where we are with the storm. Um, as you can see, 160 mile per hour winds, lots of storm surge and water. They're an island just like us. So we appreciate what that means. The ocean is incredibly powerful. So we saw some wind damage there to a lot of their uh, roofing structures and a lot of the buildings. The one um, video there with the light poles coming down and people actually being outside in that is just shocking. I mean, we know even just a week and a half, two weeks ago, we had a tropical storm with 30, 35 miles per hour. And, you know, we had a few light poles snap and some were tumbling over. So it doesn't seem like it takes a whole lot sometimes for these light poles to fall over. Um, but my gosh, to actually see people outside in that is um, quite a shocking uh, reality check. So hopefully they're fine. And this is why the authorities tell you folks when a storm hits your safest place. I know sometimes it's hard to believe because if the roof comes off and these other things you are like, you know, but your safest place really is inside um, because there's so many dangers and, you know, floodwaters um there is some footage i think that was coming out of nicaragua yesterday with um uh an area that gave way um basically a mudslide and it took a house and a person with it and i mean all of that was caught you know on camera so i think poor nicaragua and even honduras will now be hit again 
as they are in the middle of, not even the middle, the beginning of trying to pick up their, their lives after what has been a devastating um, storm. So I know that Cayman, the Cayman contingents here, a lot of um, nonprofit organizations, a lot of churches have been galvanizing their forces um, to make donations to Honduras. But let us not forget, it is not just Honduras that has been impacted by this, folks. Um, there are people in Guatemala who've been impacted. There are people in Nicaragua who are impacted and to a lesser extent, uh, Panama as well. And of course, that's one of the reasons why organizations like the Red Cross who has a much broader reach will be able to go into all of those areas um, because they have you know, regional locations throughout the area there. So good morning, Ms. Um, Arling. Uh, Paula says, thanks for all you do, even more so in these perilous times to keep us informed. You're most welcome, Ms. Paula Rose. Um, Ms. Darlene says, CMR is my main source of information and I don't know what I would do without it. Thanks, Sandy. Well, thank you, Darlene. And um, of course you are a Caymanian living abroad. And there's a number of Caymanians I'm very much aware who do not physically live in the Cayman Islands, but they still wanna know what's going on here because in your heart of hearts, you might be living somewhere else, but this will always be the best place in the world. And this will always be your home. Miss um, Sue is having some flashbacks to Ivan. Good morning, South Marjorie. She wants to know where that is. So South Marjorie, that is actually um, San Andres, uh, Providencia and Santa Catalina. So I think most of the footage that we have received is actually San Andres because communications are down completely for um, Providencia and Santa Catalina is said to be completely destroyed. Um, so yeah, two category five hurricanes, literally two weeks apart. It's almost unheard of, I think. And in the history of Colombia, this is the first time that a category five storm has hit um, their islands, or I think any part of Colombia. So thank you guys so much. Um, Lenny confirms that Providence Island is totally devastated. Their entire island is destroyed. No communication since Monday at 3 a.m. And the humanitarian Navy ship was deployed last night from uh, Cartagena to help people there in great need. Atlas is another Caymanian living in the UK. He's a student there, so he wants to know about the weather here in Cayman. Atlas, we're actually pretty good. I mean, I think we might get maybe a little bit of rain today, but honestly, we have nothing to complain about, trust me. And Eunice, um, so she's spoken to her in-laws 10.30 yesterday. She hasn't spoken to them since 10.30 yesterday morning, and it's very stressful. Some areas have no contact at all. And my husband has a family member over there on the mainland. And that's how she's hearing anything uh, so far. So we here at Cayman Mall Road will do our best to keep you updated. We do have, like I said, persons like Lenny and a few other individuals who are keeping us in the loop as they hear information. And we will certainly pass that information along. Um, that's the least that we can do because we need to understand the level of devastation. Also big shout out to Ingrid. Um, Ingrid is um, uh, from San Andres as well. And she's also unfortunately lost her home. And Lenny just reminds us of the proximity uh, Providencia and Catalina to the Cayman Islands about 365 miles south of the Cayman Islands. Good morning, Marshall, joining us from North Carolina. So let's go ahead and speak to our guest this morning. Um, as 
Miss uh, Paula Rose rightfully pointed out, we are living in perilous times and sometimes there are people who are living um, without a lot of hope in their lives. And I know that is incredibly sad because I have always said in life that uh, one thing I know from my own personal experiences is you can survive anything once you know that there is a silver lining or a light at the end of the tunnel. And folks, that is called hope. Once you have hope that something will change, something will get better, you can literally hold on and survive anything. I imagine sometimes when I think about major events that have impacted the entire world um, or a group of people, you know, like the Holocaust or whatever, I think, how does someone survive something so incredibly traumatic? And the only way that you survive it, and of course, millions of people didn't survive it, but the only way that you kind of hang on in those times is if you think this is gonna come to an end. There's hope, somebody's gonna rescue me, somebody's gonna save me. So I really um, appreciate people who engage in nonprofit work, who go out of their way to help members of their community. We do have a lot of people here right in this country that are in need. You know, right now I know that we are focused on helping persons overseas because they were hit far worse than we were. But you know, up to last week, I had people saying to me, this person's house got flooded out. Everything is on the outside trying to get dry. They've lost everything. They need clothing, they need this, they need that. So let's not forget that charity starts at home. Let's welcome uh, the beautiful and lovely couple. I think this is the first time his lovely wife is joining us. But uh, good morning, Raul and Miss Kathy. Thank you guys so much for joining us this morning. Morning, Sandra. Good morning, Sandra. Morning. How are you? You, I'm good. I'm good. No complaints at all. Um, I know Raul has been on the show before, so he is. A, I won't say a veteran yet, but <laughs> he soon will be. But Kathy, this is your first time here, so let us and all of the. I think we've got about eighty persons now watching. Eighty-one. It just jumped up. Mm -hmm. um, let us all give you a warm CMR welcome. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And thank you for having me, Sandra, or having us both. Yeah. And you look beautiful, Raul. I'm sorry, but you know, <laughs> sitting next to you. <laughs> that, that was my actually that was my fear that when she came on, I would be I would not be invited back on again. <laughs> but, but Sandra, thank you so much for for having us. Um, obviously, I have you know strong uh, strong links to Nicaragua, um, and it's a devastating yes. storm. Uh, my family. When the last boat, they were okay. This storm actually doesn't didn't really pass where it went pretty close to Corn Island, where I lived, um, mm -hmm. where I'm from actually. Um, and um, but it actually, I think the 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 landing was further north. But the other one last two weeks ago was also devastating. But I mean, these islands are very small, right? Um, yeah, relatively wow. low lying islands. So I'm sure they, you know, that the devastation there will be you know, unprecedented. In, in all these islands because San Andres and, and Providence, as we call it, is actually very close to Nicaragua. Um, wow. It's, it's closer to Nicaragua than it is to Colombia. But um, so Kathy and I, obviously, we want to talk about the, the charge that, that will, uh -huh. the, the initiative here um, right. that Kathy started. And I, Kathy can will give you more information, but this all started when we did the soup kitchen, Sandra, we realized yeah. that like you said, charity starts at home and there were, yeah. there were a lot of kids in need and we the backpacks was one thing we gave up 501 backpacks during the summer but then we said you know what about christmas that's also a festive time why don't we do something for them then and kathy and marcia came up with a brilliant idea let's have a let's have a sale 
let's have a lightly, lightly worn or lightly gently used um, designer clothing sale um, at the Pilates studio on Saturday from two to five. Um, but what we're also, because of the devastation in Honduras and Nicaragua and, and Central America generally, because Guatemala as well uh -huh. is in Honduras, we will donate whatever we haven't sold, we'll actually donate to the Red Cross. But we also wanted, we also support another charity that's called Food for the Poor. It actually started in Jamaica, mm -hmm. but they provide charity work throughout Central America as well. Mm -hmm. And uh -huh. that's an organization that we um, we provide, well, we, we donate on a regular basis to. So we'll be donating um, stuff to them as well, or money to them, so that they can try to help the, the less fortunate um, in in Central America, which are our neighbors. I mean, we have most Caymanians have a lot of a lot of family members or our heritage in, especially on the Caribbean side of Central America. So even the us far south as Panama, Colombia, uh -huh. as well, Honduras, Nicaragua, obviously Belize. Um, because those are all former Caribbean people moving to moving to Central America for a better life, mm -hmm. you know, first part of the last century, right? So yeah, you know, we a lot of linkages. But this initiative that Kathy came up, Kathy and Marcia mm -hmm. came up, is actually a unique one because what we're going to do is all 100% of the proceeds will actually mm -hmm. go towards um, having a Christmas party for kids in West Bay um, because okay. this may not it may be unique in so many ways. But, yeah. Um, it's. Yeah, Let, give me give me one second, Kathy. Yeah. Let's just back up because some of our viewers today may not um, have viewed the last time Raul was on, and they may not know the sort of history of how the soup kitchen got started. So maybe let's back up to that point okay. and talk a little bit um, about what the soup kitchen is, how it got started, mm -hmm. and um, it seems like it's an ongoing initiative, which is fantastic. So back um, some months ago. Um, you know, you had a soup kitchen idea. Tell us how that idea was born and how that actually um, came to fruition. Okay, so Sandra, um, the soup kitchen um, started during May, during the lockdown, the COVID period, when a lot of people were still unemployed. Um, we are like, we're contributors over the years to, there's a food pantry at the John Gray Memorial Church in West, in West Bay. A lot of people might not be aware of that. So during the lockdown, I was very concerned, you know, because, you know, we, we weren't able to buy things in bulk like normal times. And so I said to Raul, um, the minute I heard Ale Thompson would be open, I said to him, we need to do something. We need to start a soup kitchen. Of course, he... He wasn't so excited because he was concerned about all the logistic. And I told him, actually, that's where you come in. And we started it along with another friend of mine. She couldn't be here this morning. Um, she runs Pilates Studios out of Governor Square. Um, uh -huh. So we started it in May. We committed financially um, to run it for only eight weeks. But at seven weeks, the kids were... Oh, the kids that normally get lunch um, provided by Feed Our Future or the various charities. And at that point, you know, I said, you know, Raul, there is no way we can stop it now, you know. So we had a restaurant that came on board, Tillis, they reached out to us and they started supplying pizzas um, once a week. Um, mm -hmm. We bought sandwiches from Subway's. Um, for the kids, I did the soup along with help. I mean, I would cook my special chicken soup 
And so we did that. We've heard about this famous soup, by the way. <laughs> well, I, I told Raul last time when he spoke to you that he should have invited you to come down and have some. I did invite him. Yeah, he, he did. But, you know, it was such a busy time that I did not um, get an opportunity to come. But it's still it's still on my bucket list to try to <laughs> these uh, chicken soup. <laughs> well, I we, we did it for three weeks because, you know, I'd love to continue this forever and I work, we, we both work because yeah. we a company. So at that time I see where it was needed and our charity or, or our organization is to complement the, the rest of the charities, things that they're unable mm -hmm. to do and we're not able to do it. We'd, I'd love to do it as a full time and maybe one day I will, but at the moment, you know, occasions like Christmas and God forbid, you know, if there was ever, you know, any storm. a storm, you know, things like that. And to carry on and like one of the other things is like back to school. We plan to continue that. So just different occasions. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but okay. the sweet kitchen, Sandra was was a was Kathy's idea. I mean, she just uh -huh. like I mean to to come up with that idea during a time of COVID when you know everyone was perhaps thinking of themselves and not of their community. And she sat mm -hmm. right in the in her um, TV room behind us and she said like, you know, look, we need to just do something. And it was a bold idea that literally we started with, we went to Yale Thompson's, we went to Roper's, bought all the supplies. And the first the first day we had 150 people that wow. actually got, you know, were, were fed. And then it just yes. kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then our kids, Danielle, mm -hmm. Ali, and Marcia's kids drew, Trey and um, and Charlie, who were actually the ones delivering the soups, they had this community that they went to, and they 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 became friends with the kids in the community, and so they knew the kids by their names, and they were saying, "Well, uh -huh. mom." And Hallie said specifically, "You know, they go back to school in September. You know what? I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna get the school shopping list from them, and then let's see whether we could buy them backpacks." And uh -huh. in that community, there were maybe 15 kids, right? Uh -huh. But uh -huh. Kathy, Halley, and Marcia, and Elizabeth Chambers, and Tommy Means went out shopping and they bought, how many backpacks that did? We bought 200 and mm. whatever it was. And then somebody contributed, we bought close to 300, 300 and school supplies. So there were not only were there school bags, there were school supplies, supplies in the bags. In the bags. Because yeah. we just to give them an empty bag and taken, you know, we've taken into consideration that. Again, so many people are unemployed. Uh -huh. You know, it was a start. And then somebody heard about what we were what doing, doing, the initiative, and they reached out to us and they donated, donated 235 backpacks. backpacks. So then wow. we had to go back out again. And then we had a few more people who came on board and contributed to the supplies for those additional 235 backpacks. So we, we ended up distributing 501 backpacks in total. From our kids across the island, so the yeah. kids from all over, and then, then the then the idea of the Christmas party. And here, here's a little photo <laughs> of um, the backpacks. I mean, this is amazing, actually, that you guys were able to pull this off. And I think it speaks to, you know, when someone starts to do something. Uh, Mr. Alric Lindsay has shared his experiences in terms of this. Other people see it and they say, you know what? I love the fact that you're doing this. I might not be able to go out there and be on the forefront, but allow me to make a donation, allow me to donate money or donate a gift certificate. 
to a particular store or whatever to um, allow you to continue to do your community work. So I think this is fantastic. And everything you see here is stuff that kids need. Um, and they get so excited about having when the new school year starts. I mean, there is nothing like um, having, I mean, I remember as a kid, you know, getting a new backpack and having fresh supplies. Um, it makes you excited to go to school and you want to go to school and you want to learn and you want to be there. Yeah. So, so you know, Kathy plans for for the for this for the um, Christmas Christmas um, party is actually around the same lines as well, right? It's like mm -hmm. let's try to get make it into a community. So we're actually setting up a proper nonprofit, but we're gonna call it the community the community kitchen because everything happens around the kitchen table. So we want to keep mm -hmm. that 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 sort of um, there you go, <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. So this trunk sale, um is going to be lightly used. Now, do we need to explain to people what that means? Uh, when we say gently or lightly used um, clothing, preferably designer clothing, which in other words, you know, just something with a, a decent label on it. Yeah. Right. And some of them actually still have their labels on. Some of them honest. still have their labels, Sandra. Some of them have been worn. worn. Some of them are brand new um, clothing. They've never been worn. And then they're all from like pretty well-known brands, but they're not, you know, they're not, they're in very, very good shape. Um, and the Some of the brands are like Ted Baker, Ted Baker. Um, J. Crew, which is one of my favorites, right. um, Banana Republic, there's some Club Monaco, um, there's Gap, and the list goes on. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, awesome. So it's going to be um, at the Pilates Studio, which is located in Governor Square and West Bay Road, uh, this Saturday yep. from 2 p.m. until 5 p.m. Yes, yes, yes. And you know, we might be there a little bit later, but right now we need to, to be in there from 2 mm -hmm. p.m. till 5. And so we're asking, you know, everyone to come out, and I'm sure they'll find something to buy. We have a few. Um, men clothing, not a lot, but we have some. Yeah. And just come out. We have clothes for teenagers as well. And for kids. And for kids as well. A few kids. Yeah. Not a, not a so lot all of the proceeds of this will go to support your um, Christmas party yes. for children in the District of West Bay. And yeah. then you, you did say if you had any clothing left over, you would donate it to... Right. Yeah, right. Right. The proceeds actually, Sandra, because we've um, just as we finished um, the soup kitchen in August, we had a few people who committed to helping us, you know, with the party. So like the party is, you know, a minor thing. Uh -huh. We be able to provide gifts for kids in the community who might not be receiving a gift at Christmas. And for uh -huh. the younger kids between the ages of five to 12 and then 13 to 17 we want to be able to give them a gift certificate so that's really what the bulk of the money is going towards purchasing mm -hmm. and you know it depend it, it depending on you know how much we raise and we've had a few people who reach out to us who also will be contributing we'd like to give some of the families a food gift certificate mm -hmm. so we'll We'll, we'll see how it goes, but I mean, mm -hmm. the main focus is to provide a gift, the kids with gifts for Christmas. Right. 
and to okay. just try to make their lives a bit brighter. And it's 2020 has not been an easy year at all for anyone, Sandra. Right, for so, sure. You know, it's, it's, it's not going to be a happy Christmas for many of us, right? Um, mm -hmm. So we just wanted to do our part to, to try mm -hmm. to, you know, show that there is hope. And, and sometimes that's all some of these kids really need is just the ability mm -hmm. to see that the people out there that truly care for them and truly care for them in an altruistic way, right? And, you know, this is, um, we just got to continue to, to be that way, you know? And Alric, thank you so much, Alric, for joining in. Alric says Raul and his wife, Kathy, um, also help with dinners for tourism workers in West Bay and their ongoing selfless contributions are appreciated. Right, that's true. Alric and I, Alric and I, I mean, I didn't want to say that, but now that he's mentioned it, he and I delivered quite a number of meals in the afternoons um, he would drive to West Bend. I said, Albert, you just coming out? Said, said, I'll help you out. So he and I went out a few times and actually delivered um, to the tourism workers in West Bend. And uh -huh. one day um, I called him up, you know, because Alric was paying for some of the meals that he was delivering or he he was paying people to cook. And so one day I said, Alric, I'll, you don't have to pay anybody today. I'll just cook. And he was like, will you do that? Even though I was doing the soup kitchen at the same time. Yeah. So I cooked um, pastas and, you know, he came to pick them up. We went to deliver we went some, to deliver them, some yeah. with him. So we had our, our kitchen table, our, our, our uh -huh. kitchen table of, um, of, of, uh, of, of, well, I guess the plates of, of pasta. So we, it was actually Alric came, myself. So Alric and I, he's, he's altruistic and, he is certainly an example that we could all use yes, when we um, when we're doing these types of things, yep. right? Mm -hmm. We're doing it for from the heart, right? And that's why when Kathy started the soup kitchen, it's honest, Sandra. It was I was taken aback that knowing that our you know our son had literally he was a he was in university, he got mm -hmm. trapped in the U.S. couldn't get back. He then came back and he was quarantined. And while he was being quarantined, was when Kathy came up with this idea, not mm -hmm. like. Like, oh, I'm, you know, like there was a lot of emotional things going on in all of us, right? Mm -hmm. And she just said, let's get it done. And, and it, it, some days it wasn't, it was, I wouldn't say it was a cakewalk because, you know, you get up early, Kathy had at seven o'clock in the morning till the entire day cooking, delivering, but it was so fulfilling, right? And it, it gave me a different perspective of the community that I've lived in for 40 years. I hadn't seen certain years like that. And I, and I think it's, it's worthwhile, even kids who have lived and parents are not from here, but they lived in Cayman, born in Cayman all their lives. And they were, their eyes were open up and they became, uh -huh. they now becoming an advocate and like evangelical in terms of what they want to do for their community. Because if we don't do it, Sandra, who is going to help? Uh -huh. We have to do it. And it starts off from just these, these very small things, right? And, right? and thank you as well for making sure that these things are highlighted and, and constantly in the forefront and in, in the top of minds of people. So that they realize that we have to help and 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 just being selfish selfish in these times is not is not the best way you know sometimes mm. selfless you know yeah i mean for sure um i think that anyone <laughs> who makes a sacrifice and i know that sometimes people don't always think of it as a sacrifice they think oh well this person has the means they have money they have and no it's always a sacrifice because yeah. there's certainly other things um, that you could be doing with your resources. You've got two young adults, um, you know, in your home who, you know, are in school and they they have needs, and you're supporting. I'm sure elderly parents, and you know, there's always obligations beyond what people see on the surface. 
Um, so I always tell people, listen, no one has to be um, altruistic. No one has to be caring and loving and giving. And when they do those things, I think that we need to be appreciative of it because there are people who benefit in a real way. Um, like you said, sometimes you don't recognize the need directly some, right next door in your own communities, um, in your own micro communities. Right. The need is definitely there. And, you know, I see it all the time. I get people always contacting me for help and asking if I can put a call out for different things, whether it's something for a single mom, a baby in need. Um, right now we're looking for some clothing for, um, a recovered drug addict. You know, I always say recovering because I don't think you ever get to the point where you say I'm 100% recovered because it's a, a daily journey. But, you know, throughout the years, I have personally tried to support her journey because I know how easy it is to slide back into that life style, especially when you are in need of something. So you need a couple of dollars and somebody says, well, here's what you can do for a couple of dollars sort of thing, you know? So um, I wanted to say something, Sandra, is that, I mean, this is this is just the strength of Kathy, right? Like, and I, this is maybe, I just might embarrass her, but in August, her dad passed away. Mm -hmm. And it was the Thursday before we distributed the, 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 um, the backpack. I was and purchasing she was school. purchasing school supplies when it happened. Okay. She got a call from her dad, the nurse that takes care of her father in Jamaica, and said that he wasn't breathing and he wasn't doing well after that day. But she was purchasing supplies for the backpacks. And I told her, Kathy, maybe you should postpone this. She said, absolutely not. This is what my mom and my dad will want me to do. I'm going to persevere and I'm going to get it done. And, you know, it, it is a testament to someone that's actually truly doing this from the heart. Right? You don't... Mm -hmm despite having your own personal issues to deal with, right? And no one is immune from that, right? But when you see people doing things that are that are from the heart and it's, it, it comes from the heart, it, they do it in a selfless way that they're not looking for any publicity. They just, they want, they just want to create awareness, right? And I think that's what we want to do is to create an awareness that we are there's there are people out here that's willing to help but there there's also a need in our community and perhaps mm -hmm. as you said you don't have to have unlimited resources because it's quite easy when you have unlimited resources to do that right mm -hmm. it's very easy to say yeah i have unlimited resources mm -hmm. i'll just do whatever but that's not what it's about it's when when you when you have whatever resources you have and you contribute that resource to actually help others and you know kathy i i i'm telling you sandra with if the way she persevered through this and then being able to get it done, you know, it, it's something that I use as strength when things are not going the way I want it to happen, right? And I think it's this is a it, this is something that has is has taught me a great lesson um, in terms of humility and and the ability to always look for the well-being of others. And I, I I've never thought that in 2020 when COVID happened that you would, you know, most people become very um, insular in their view and like, look, I need to just protect my, my, my well-being and to, to, for this to have transformed how I look at life and, and mm -hmm. I would, as a Kathy, it's, it's, it is, it's not what I've expected from 2020. Mm -hmm. um, that's one good thing that has come out of it from my perspective. Yeah. And, you know, I have to admire Kathy. What she did was just unbelievable, Sandra. I, I tell you, like, 
No, like she literally was in the kitchen cooking the thing. Mm -hmm. Every, every, every item for the soup, Kathy purchased. You know, like down to the salt was was the same salt. Like I keep repeating this, but that's the level of detail and the level of care that she that she has for it. And she's always said people have called and said, "Oh, I'd like to donate." They said, "Do not donate anything that you would not donate for your child." So they said, "We want to give toys." I said, "They cannot be used toys. It has to be toys that are new." Because we don't, we're not giving these kids anything that we wouldn't give our kids. Right. Yeah. And it yeah. goes it goes back to Sandra to what Raul just mentioned about the soup, the soup kitchen in particular. And that's why I was so adamant that I did not. It was a true sacrifice on our path. And Marcia Milgate, she provided the kids meal. And because it's so easy for people and I don't like and people that know me well from you know people who've worked with me to friends family i will never give you something that i would not give to myself or my children that's not who i am and for me it was a true sacrifice in the sense that listen i only use best dressed chicken to cook chicken soup at home uh -huh. i only use the very best ingredients and i was not going to use anything a few people said to me why are you buying that that's too, too expensive i said well you know it's my money really so i'm going to do what i want to do with it and this is what i want to do it because i would not give that to you or your child why would i go give it to other people's kids that's not what giving is about giving is a sacrifice as raul mentioned it is so easy to give when you have so much but uh -huh. giving is about sacrificing and sacrificing to me is giving your very best and you know of what you can afford absolutely yeah. no and i and i love that i mean i always um think even when i go through sometimes my closet and i'm looking to donate whether it's the baby's clothing or you know i try to do at least once or twice a year i go through my own stuff i think about that as well um there's like a bin of hmm you know yeah. this stuff I wouldn't probably wear again, although sometimes you think, well, you know, someone would be grateful for it. I mm. think you need to use the same standards that you use for yourself. If, if you would like something nice, and that's what I love about this trunk sale, that you're encouraging people um, to know that it's lightly used, um, yeah. you know, name labels, designer goods yeah. um, that they're going to be getting. So when they put it on, no one's going to know that this was purchased at a trunk sale or that it was a hand-me-down. Some things are brand new and still have the tags on them. Um, so that is, is absolutely wonderful. And um, it just is, you know, a testament to ultimately where your heart is and how you do think about other people. No one is less than just because they have less than us, you know? Um, so that's, that's really wonderful. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, Louie, who is joining us from Detroit, is saying that they're getting their first snowfall of the season and it's 34 degrees outside. Um, he tunes in to CMR almost every single day. So we have our international crew that um, is here. We've got people, we've got um, Barbara in Paris. We've got a few people in the UK and a few people in the US. Jamaica is always represented, of course. We've got people in Jamaica who are tuned in. Um, so folks, this is a wonderful initiative. Please encourage, um, you know, your family members, if you're not on island, to go out and support this trunk sale. 
It is this weekend at the Pilates Studio in Governor's Harb Governor Square. My apologies. Yeah. Uh, tell us where in Governor's Square is the Pilates Studio because Governor's Square right is kind of big. It's right next to mm -hmm. um, Bank of Butterfield. Bank of Butterfield. Okay, so it's on that side. Okay, yeah, wonderful. So right next to Bank of Butterfield, in that corner, um, there's a trunk sale this coming Saturday from mm -hmm. 2 to 5 p.m. All proceeds will be going um, to assist with the purchasing of toys and so gift cards for families. And then whatever's left over will be extended beyond that. So this is going to be the first annual children's Christmas party yes. on December the 5th. So we're looking forward to that. I think more than ever, when we're going through difficult times like 2020 has been, it's good to keep certain traditions alive, like Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, all these other events that we would normally um, celebrate with ease. It's not gonna be as easy this year to celebrate them, but I think it's important, especially for children who have really sustained um, a level of unprecedented stress in their lives. Yeah. They need that normalcy. They need to know that Christmas is still here, yeah. you know, regardless of COVID and regardless of all the storms and everything else around them, um, there is that little bit of certainty in life. And um, that's incredibly important. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Sandra. Sandra thank, you. B, thank you so much. And, and um, yeah, on the 5th, maybe you can come out as well, Sandra, and, you know, and see. Yes. I mean, December is shaping up to be a busy month, but I have nothing planned for the 5th yet. So I will definitely pencil it in yeah. and um, I'll be there. Yeah, we'd love to have you. But yeah. along with the sale, um, Raul and I will also be contributing because we're not just, and that was the whole thing when we started. We just don't want to ask people to give or uh -huh. initially we we we're, we will be contributing because right. towards the purchasing of Christmas gifts and yeah, certificates as well. As yeah. well. Yeah. And a few more people that we know will be contributing towards that as well. So we yeah. just want to out there okay beautiful and just sandra i'm sure it'll, it'll be on your social media pages so you know just keep making sure there's a great awareness of it yes definitely right. so just a reminder to our viewers so we'll post it on facebook it'll be on instagram um we'll do it on linkedin as well we do have a, a linkedin presence okay. and uh facebook of course Right. and our community calendar. So on the website itself, there is a community calendar um, area there that you can actually um, go to the calendar and see all the events that are coming up. So if you've got a community event, folks, whether it's political, community-driven, reach us, reach out to us about how you can have your event added to the calendar. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Sandra. And thank you for having us. Have a good day, Sandra. Bye -bye. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. All right, folks. So again, that's Raul and Kathy Nicholson Co. Thank you guys so much for um, coming on the program this morning, telling us a little bit about this trunk sale, folks. Please mark your calendars for this Saturday from 2 p.m. until 5 p.m. We would love to um, have people support this initiative. All clothes will be starting at $5 to $100 uh, KYD. And again, this will go to benefit and to assist with an upcoming children's party, which like I just said, I think it's so incredibly important for us to maintain some sense of normalcy going into the holiday season for 2020. So Louis, um, thank you so much for the update in your neck of the woods in terms of the weather. Um, 
He says, in terms of Kathy and Raul, love the heart of this couple. Big up to them both. Um, and uh, today, I so I appreciate the warmth that CMR sends. Thank you, Louis. Um, he also says that God bless them. Generous givers is biblical. So Lenny, thank you so much. Uh, Lenny has just updated us that he has some communication from um, Providence and Catalina. Everybody's on the street and that there's a lot of injured on the street and that people are suffering. Um, they're hungry and in real need. The only hospital that is there is totally destroyed. Oh my gosh. I would like to invite all islands that have connections with us organizing a boat that would be headed to the island of Providence and Catalina in the coming days. Um, he shares that he was born in that little island and have real concerns of helping the people there. Um, now, Lenny, sorry, unfortunately, the rest of your message got cut off. Um, the system here only allows like so many words, so I can't see the rest of that. Let me just see if I can um, pull it up on Facebook, actually. Let me see here. Uh, good morning to the beautiful Melita. Thank you so much for joining us. And the beautiful Debbie, who I saw on Sunday. Um, and Debbie, Debbie, did you have a birthday this weekend as well? I know you're partying. <laughs> I don't know if it was just a regular party, but I kind of feel like you might have had a birthday recently. And so you were celebrating with some friends. And it looks like Debbie had a fabulous time over the weekend as well. So I am so happy to see people in the midst of all the craziness that has been their lives recently, able to just take a minute for themselves and, you know, have a little house party or go out for drinks with friends, because there's so many people in the world who are not able to do that. So thank you so much. Um, so yes, thank you, Debbie. I appreciate it. Amanda is asking for Lenny to please contact her at 516 3561. So just remember, folks, there are a lot of people who are connected to the various um, islands and countries that are being devastated right now by first Hurricane uh, Ita and now Hurricane Iota. And um, Sue mentioned earlier that the projections are that this hurricane season will last longer than normal. And I remind you in the words of Mr. John Tibbetts, our Director General for the National um, Weather um, Service here in the Cayman Islands, that on record, there has been a hurricane recorded every single month of the year, except for the month of April. And 2020 being what it is and going into 2021, I would not be surprised if that record is broken and we have every month now represented. So who knows, April Fool's Day, we might get a storm on April the 1st. But what we do know is this hurricane season was predicted to be an active one. And as it turns out, uh, the predictions are spot on. It is the most active hurricane season ever on record. So 2005, a record was set with the most named storms and this year, that record has now been broken and surpassed. So um, we need to continue to monitor all systems, which obviously impact our own safety 
and her own well-being. So uh, let me just pull up the latest um, update on this, please, so that we can see is um, where we're at. All right, folks, um, give me one quick second here. Oh, yes, thank you so much. Um, someone has sent me the rest of the, they've sent me a screenshot on it and that, that's very helpful, I appreciate that. The rest of Lenny's message um, says, I was born uh, in that little island and have real concerns for helping my people. Also, I have no communication with my daughter, my grandkids, my father, my brothers, nor sister that live on the island. Thanks, Sandy, for supporting this. Wow, Lenny. So Lenny's family um, remains there. And of course he is um, very concerned about their um, well-being at this time. Let's have a look at uh, the situation here this morning, an hour ago, details of IOTA was um, updated. So IOTA is expected to produce Flash flooding, landslides, life-threatening storm surge, powerful winds across portions of Central America today. Um, so it continues for the coast of Nicaragua, for the Honduras-Nicaragua border, to Sandy Bay, Asirpe, and for the coast of northeastern Honduras from Punta Patuca um, to the Honduras-Nicaragua border. Significant wind damage is occurring near Iota's eye wall, and the wind spread further uh, inland across northern Nicaragua during the next several hours. So tropical storm warning continues to the coast of Nicaragua from Sandy Bay, Sirpa to Bluefields. Um, the, north, the northern coast of Honduras, west of Punta Patuca to the Guatemala-Honduras border, and for the Bay Islands. Tropical storm conditions are occurring um, in the warning areas in Nicaragua and Honduras. And we will certainly check in with Dwen um, on the Bay Islands. I'm just gonna send him a quick message. See how things are going there for them. And um, we are looking at life-threatening storm surge water levels of five to 10 feet above normal tides, onshore winds along the coast of Nicaragua and Honduras, and near the coast, the surge will be accompanied by large and destructive waves. As of 7 p.m., the center of Hurricane Iota was located inland over Nicaragua, about 15 miles west-northwest of El Pia and about 90 miles west-southwest of Puerto Cabezas. Iota is uh, moving towards the west near nine miles per hour. Uh, so she slowed down a little bit. And this general motion is expected to continue during the next day or so. The forecast track Iota will move further inland across northern Nicaragua today and move across southern Honduras tonight and Wednesday. So the projections with this storm, unlike Hurricane Ita, is not that it will come back out into the Caribbean Sea, but that it would continue overland and then dissipate, dissipate, dissipate over land, um, which I don't know if that's a good thing. I feel like that somehow um, 
means more damage for those poor people. So maximum sustained winds have decreased to near 85 miles per hour with higher gusts, which means that um, IOTA is now a category one storm and the winds extend outwards um, 35 miles from the center, that's hurricane force winds, and tropical storm force winds extend out 175 miles. Estimated minimal um, central pressure, additional rapid weakening is expected today into Wednesday, and it's expected to dissipate over Central America by Wednesday night. So they're gonna have a couple more days of rain and weather. So Honduras, Northern Nicaragua, Southeast and Central Guatemala, and Southern Brazil can expect 10 to 20 inches of rain with isolated maximum totals of 30 inches. El Salvador and Panama can expect four to eight inches of rain with isolated maximum totals of 12 inches. And the rainfall is going to lead to significant life-threatening flash flooding and river flooding, along with mudslides in areas of high terrain. So Southern Nicaragua and Costa Rica can expect to get three to five inches of rain as well. Um, so it has obviously, um, now that it's over land, it has broken up the storm significantly from a category five storm, but you know, to by another storm two weeks ago, I can assure you that this is not good news for anyone there. Um, so Linda has sent a link. Thank you so much, Linda, about off season storms. She says it happens. And here's a list of off season Atlantic storms on Wikipedia. And so Linda says to be prepared. My gosh, I think anything that can happen uh, will happen this year. So um, we live in the tropics, folks. So let us always, always, always be prepared. Um, hmm. So we think that we're safe once hurricane season is over, but this is a stark reminder that there is such a thing as an off-season Atlantic hurricane storm, uh, which is absolutely crazy. But like I said earlier, John Tibbet says it's happened every single month of the year at some point in history. So um, hurricane season generally runs from June the 1st through November the 30th of each calendar year. That's when we get 97% of all Atlantic tropical cyclones, AKA hurricanes. However, that's the peak activity between August and October. There is such a thing as an off season storm and they're most likely to occur apparently in the month of May with about 60% of such storms occurring during the month of May. Occasionally, however, uh, storms persist until December. And as of 2020, there have been um, 87, wow, off-season cyclones in the Atlantic Hurricane Database, which began in 1851. Whoa. In addition, there were six storms before 1851 and one hurricane in 1863 that was not part of the official database. So 
Apparently off-season cyclones is a thing. Um, and they do tend to occur most likely in the um, Western Atlantic Ocean. Uh, and most do not make landfall, but um, of the storms that did strike, most affected areas surrounding the Caribbean Sea, AKA us, we're in the Caribbean Sea. Um, cumulatively, at least 441 deaths occurred due to these storms, primarily um, on the islands of uh, uh, Hisp Hispaniola and Cuba. And a tropical storm in May of 1948 struck the Dominican Republic to become the deadliest off-season storm. Wow. Unofficial hurricane in 1863 killed 110 people in a shipwreck off of Florida and on land. The same storm was estimated to reach winds of 105 miles per hour, making the storm, making it the strongest uh, hurricane between December and May. And the strongest currently in the official database was a March hurricane in 1908 that reached winds of 100 miles per hour. So folks, uh, it's a real thing. The most recent off-season storm was Tropical Storm Bertha in May of 2020. Yes, that's right. Because remember the season doesn't start until June and May was uh, came around as a rapidly forming short-lived off-season tropical storm um, that affected the Eastern United States in late May. And at that point, it was actually the second named storm of the 2020, um, Atlantic hurricane season, which now is breaking all sorts of records. That one originated from a trough in the Gulf of Mexico. So um, folks, pay attention, always be prepared. Eunice said, no news is good news, Sandy, but there's another storm heading to Central America again, was just informed of that. Uh, Lord, take the wheel, my gosh. I don't know what else people can take really. Um, so we're getting some updates here from the Bay Islands. We do have some video footage that has come in, but pretty much they're okay. They're just getting um, strong winds. Let me see if we can pull up some of this. Um, you know, we're all islands alike in this situation. So I feel like... Um, we just have to be so thankful and just continue to, um, there's Miss Coco. She reminds us of her presence. Um, just be so thankful and, um, you know, see how we can assist each other during times like this. It's quite sad. Um, So this, this morning is um, the impact of Hurricane Iota on um, the Bay Islands. So they're getting some of it as well.
Okay, so that's Dwin sending us some information there um, from the Bay Islands. Thank you so much, Dwin Bodden. He's gonna be working with us in terms of providing information. Um, so thank you so much. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, that's where we're at folks, incredible. So good morning to Tammy. Thank you so much for tuning in, the lovely Tammy. Sophia is also here. Sophia says, good morning all. Thank you, lovely ladies. So let's do a little bit of a recap on some other news. Don't forget that today is Tuesday. So what that means is that Tuesday evenings, we do have a show as well. And I got a couple of show topic ideas for this evening. Um, I'm debating between CBC um, and having that discussion. And um, we also need to talk about um, something um, about this MP situation. So I think there's some explaining about that that has to go on. So I want you guys to tune in to make sure that you're educated about that. Cause I hear that there's a lot of misinformation in circulation this morning. Someone just messaged me about that. So listen folks, um, arrested and charged is this alleged child predator. Uh, he was literally caught with the child's panties down, clothes off and panties in her hand. So um, I don't think there's much to allege uh, with a 12 year old child. Um, this is when I honestly wish that the death penalty was alive and well here in the Cayman Islands. His name is France. Um, what was the last name again? Um, hold on one second, folks. I'll tell you. France Farron. He's from Jamaica. I understand that he's been in the Cayman Islands for a minute. He appeared in court yesterday, charged with indecent assault of a female child. Um, as we reported last week, it's horrible. There was another man in, in custody yesterday who was also charged with seven counts of indecent assault against a minor as well. Folks, we got to pay attention to what is going on in this community. And these child predators have got to be stopped with tougher sentences um, prevention is always better than having to deal with this afterwards. And so as parents, we need to do everything to educate ourselves about how to protect our children. Also arrested, or my apologies, not yet arrested. However, um, an investigation is ongoing into alleged thefts at the Liquor for Less, the Reflections Liquor for Less store on the waterfront. This young lady, um, worked for Reflections for about a year. Her name is Verna Ornaldi, Omnaldi. And um, she is accused of stealing a substantial amount of money from the liquor store. She's been terminated as of September after her, her um, thefts were uh, discovered. And apparently she's been at it from day one, like literally got the job and uh, went in there with the intentions of stealing from the hardworking um, Panton family, Stanley and his brother um, Prentice, as we know, um, own and operate Reflections for many years in our community. They have a liquor store and a clothing store, which I think the clothing store has been downsized considerably over the years. Um, but they have a couple liquor for less locations around the island. 
And so she was there stealing money from the onset, the entire time that she was employed. Now that's bold folks, I gotta tell you, that is really bold. And uh, it's my understanding that she was so bold that she came out with new and ingenious ways of um, carrying out her thefts, ways that uh, managers, senior managers with you know 20 something years of experience had never seen before. So they were like, wow, this woman is quite something else. Um, so there you have it. As soon as the story went up, she took down her social media page, of course, but not to worry, we had enough photos um, already in the queue to be able to share you a picture of her. Now here's something that's even more amazing about this lady. It is, it is alleged that she has um, gone on now to be working for a company as a, sorry, a family as a nanny. Here she with a, a photo on her Facebook page um, with a bottle of something in her hand. I can't, I'm, I can't help but wonder if she stole that from Reflections. And um, there she is, folks celebrating at a dining room table with a bottle of wine, imagine. So my sources indicate that she's now working illegally with the family here in the Cayman Islands. No work permit, moved on from Reflections who obviously uh, terminated her employment upon discovering what she had been doing. And in addition to that, she did sign a confession. So they caught her and she confessed. Um, but the audacity of confessing, signing a written confession, and then going on to work with someone illegally is like, whoa, uh, girl, you got some, you got some balls on you. Good morning to Janelle. Debbie says need to keep scum from entering Cayman. The thing about it, Debbie, is you never know who is who. Um, this is a sad situation. You know, the Philippines, Jamaica, Honduras, all these countries are very big countries. Uh, people who come here manage to get a clean police record. Doesn't mean that they're honest people. It could mean two things. They've never been caught. They've never been convicted, even if caught. And, and, or, um, you know, sometimes they can find other more creative ways of obtaining police, um, certificates, uh, police clearance certificates. So we don't always know what we're importing in despite our best efforts. And sometimes people come here and they start to act out um, because they see things that perhaps they'd not seen before and the sticky fingers really start to emerge. Um, and they try it and they get away with it a couple of times and then they keep trying it. And evidently that's what she was doing. She was very, very bold because she was successful early on she just thought she could keep stealing forever and no one would ever um, discover the money had been missing. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Wow. Another news last night, there was also a fight at a local laundromat in um, Swamp. Uh, there was a stabbing incident involving a pregnant woman, a pregnant Jamaican lady and a Nicaraguan woman fighting over a washing machine at the Milo Laundry in uh, the Swamp Washington Boulevard area. Eyewitnesses claim that the Jamaican woman was the aggressor. 
and that she broke a bottle during an argument that proceeded to attack the other, um, the other patron. Hot, a hot mess is all I can say, folks. Sounds crazy. Um, what on earth? I don't even know what to say. Whew, crazy times, folks, crazy times. Um, other things that were going viral yesterday included a subway worker who was uh, seen falling asleep in um, the sandwich. This was not the Cayman Islands because when people first started circling it around, someone said that it was Cayman. I'm happy to report that actually it was not Cayman. And uh, not only was it not Cayman, um, the original poster is in Chicago and he posted it on his Twitter page. Nonetheless, it circulated on this small island like wildfire. Everybody saw it. If you didn't see it, I'll share it here now and I wanna talk about it just a little bit. So the poor lady is making a sandwich and she falls asleep literally head first in the sandwich. Now, can I tell you, you have got to be tired beyond for that to happen. So I cannot imagine perhaps the number of hours that this poor woman has been working. And listen, we're all human beings. When we see something like that, you do kind of see a little bit of humor in it. You're like, oh my God, somebody fell asleep in the sandwich. And, and I think human beings, especially when you're stressed out, like you want to find the humor in everything. You want to find something to laugh at, something funny. So of course, people created all sorts of memes and stuff about that situation. But I do feel sorry for her um, because have you ever been that tired where you cannot keep your eyes open? We see it with babies a lot because you know they're not able to regulate themselves like the rest of us. So um, I'm sure you guys have seen it. Like anytime my daughter gets in a car, tiredness hits her like nobody's business. But you know, I've seen other times, like sometimes you're feeding them, they just start to like doze off. Like they're hungry and they wanna eat. They take a first couple bite, few bites, and they're just so overwhelmed with tiredness that they literally just, you can see the eyes get so heavy. They can't keep the eyes open and they just start to fall off and the head is gonna go blank. And, um, this poor woman, that's exactly what happened to her. She was just so tired. Um, Carol says she might actually suffer from narcolepsy where you just fall asleep. That's possible too. Because what struck me about it that I thought was odd was the slowness at which she, which I guess maybe if you're just tired, you're kind of doing, you know, you're doing the same thing every day. You're making sandwiches and you're like, oh, another salt and pepper, another this. Um, more onions. You know, it's like, how many sandwiches do you think that poor woman has probably made working at Subway? Yeah, she was a goner and she was just really tired. And there she is shaking the salt and pepper and she's just like, Cluck, right over. So Carol makes a good point. She could suffer from a medical condition called narcolepsy um, where you can't, you know, help but fall asleep sometimes. Um, 
Walton says life is so hard for some people and he is really shocked at this video. It is hard for a lot of people and uh, not everybody gets the amount of sleep. Listen, I don't even get the amount of sleep that I would love to. Being tired is like a constant state of being. Like every night I'm up until one o'clock in the morning before I'm starting to crawl into bed. And then I'm like, okay, so I'm gonna get five hours of sleep minus the numerous times that I wake up or get kicked by my daughter. Hmm, more like four hours of sleep, maybe out of the four, three hours of decent sleep. It is nowhere near enough. Like I wanna start going to bed at 10 o'clock, honestly. Um, but it doesn't always happen because we've got so much going on. But you know, for our health, we need to start making some better decisions about this sort of stuff. By the way, last week, I know we got into a big conversation and Friday is gonna be our health and fitness day. And so I wanted, I wanted you guys to know that I was sticking to making some changes because I promised you guys not only that I'd make some changes, but I'm going to keep you updated with them so you can hold me accountable. And this morning I'm having some oats, some overnight oats. Uh, I went to Foster's at Caymana Bay yesterday at, um, yes, Caymana Bay location and noticed that they had the pre-made overnight oats. So I thought, oh, wow, this will save me time. And sometimes we got to pay for the convenience. And so they have nuts, they have um, fruit in it. So this one I think had like a banana and um, I actually don't like bananas and certain things, but it had banana and strawberries. And then I got a, two others. So it'll last me for a couple of days. So this is really hard to eat. Like I've only had a little bit. Um, what I have done is I've added a little bit of honey cause it was totally unsweetened. Ugh. So I've added just a little bit of honey to add a little tinge of sweetness to it, not much. And then I'm trying to eat this. Um, not really my favorite thing in the world. However, however, for health, I'm going to just say bottoms up and I'm gonna eat this oatmeal. So I have been taking little bites during the show. Let me show you how torturous it is. Mm. It's really not, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. I've definitely eaten something worse than this, but it's kind of like, eh. I would love to have some eggs and plantain and fritters and liver and onions and mm, 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 mm. but here it is. One thing about eating oats as it forces you to drink water. So I'm sure I'll be drinking a lot of water today, but folks, it is what it is. My motto is moderation. So even if I can have like one good meal a day, follow the 80-20 rule, where 80% of the diet is on point, and then that 20% is gonna be the little pleasures that I love and enjoy, I'm here for it. So Irvin said, I thought that she was sick. The poor lady when she saw the video. Walton says, go for it. I'm trying my best. And I will eat this for breakfast this morning. I'm going to have water and nothing else. So I'm going to be good. Um, we'll see how lunch shapes up. But yes, I am uh, going to definitely do a better job at it. Not easy, folks. Not easy to eat healthy. Um, 
What is Coco doing behind me? Coco, what are you doing? I hear her sniffing at the door. Like, you know, can I tell you guys something about Coco? Now I've had Coco for over 10 years and um, uh, I didn't get her as a puppy puppy. She's about a year or so old and her original owner had moved away to the UK and they were looking for a good home. So um, quite ironically, um, I acquired Coco in a very roundabout kind of way. And, uh, you know, when she's young, she's wild and free and does the most interesting things. But Coco has always had some amazing habits that I have thought this dog is really, really smart. Now, listen, I have owned a lot of dogs in my life. Like I've always been a dog owner, I think since I've been an adult and could get one, like when I was in my own apartment and stuff. So I've had dogs, right? And, uh, you know, what surprises me with Coco is she has an amazing sense of smell. You know, when you go to a lot of countries like Cuba, Honduras, they use very small dogs as their drug dogs. And everybody always thinks, well, you have to be like the Americans. You've got to use the, um, what do they call the uh, German Shepherds and, you know, these bigger breeds. Small dogs are amazing at certain skills. And Coco is one of those small dogs that I wish I had the money to put her like in a training program. Because whenever she goes into a new environment and she goes into like a new room or whatever, she literally goes and sniffs out the entire room, like every single corner. And I've never seen a dog do that before. Like I said, I've owned dogs my entire life. And Coco is a sniffer. She goes around and she sniffs everything. And it's like, people will be like, what's your dog looking for? And I'm like, well, if you got any food or drugs in here, I think my dog's going to find it. So hopefully you don't have either one of those. Um... But yeah, she is an amazing dog like that. And she's also obsessed with toys, stuffed animals in particular. So if she comes into your house and you have stuffed animals, no matter how high up you have them, Coco will find those toys. She has been to, let me tell you, years ago, we went to Karen Thompson's house. She lives in Tropical Gardens, her apartment. And Coco went in her apartment went upstairs, this is how nosy she is too, in Karen's um, guest room, and Karen has it all fixed up nicely, you know, the bed is always made up with all these stuffed animals. Here comes Coco trotting down the stairs with a stuffed animal in her mouth. So she went into the woman's room, sniffed out the place, and discovered that there were stuffed animals on her bed, helped herself to one of the stuffed animals, and starts coming downstairs with a stuffed animal in her mouth. And I was like, <gasps> Coco, that stuffed animal isn't for you. Put it back. And of course, you got to then take it away from her and tell her, no, this is not yours. She is something else. She is. But we always keep her with a lot of stuffed animals. She pulls out the stuffing. So it's not like the stuffed animal is going to stay nice for long. But she does pull out um, the stuffing out of them and the squeaky bits. And she likes to rip that apart, right? But that's Coco's thing. Um, Alric is still here with us. And Alric says, um, Sandra for May of 2021. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sue and Ervlin. Ervlin says it's her time. I think she's referring to Coco. Sue thinks that maybe the lady might have been working multiple jobs. That's entirely possible. Listen, most of us got to have like four jobs right now um, just to make ends meet. So, um, 
Ervlin says, just like my Coco, always sniffing. And I do think that certain breeds, poodles in particular, and Coco is a poodle and Shih Tzu mix, um, poodles can be very intelligent. And I do think that they have a capacity to have a really good sense of smell. But all dogs do. Before dogs remember when they're born, before they can actually see, the one sense that is working right away is their sense of smell. And so they come out sniffing and smelling the world. And that's how they identify their siblings. And that's how they identify, you know, their mom. And but I don't know what Coco's doing right now. Coco, what are you doing? It's almost like there's something on the other side of the door that she keeps trying to get at. Um, which makes me worried because probably like something that I don't want to see. An insect or something. Oh, Lord. Um, but yes, um, you know, dogs have the best. Um, sense of smell more so than human beings and um, they utilize that to their advantage so that's why when dogs greet each other they don't greet each other by sight they greet each other by sniffing that's why they're going to sniff each other's underparts and nether regions to identify well who are you what are you all about and so forth and uh, their amazing sense of smell has been utilized to detect cancers skin cancers in people and they are very good at it, more so than um, a doctor without having to do a biopsy. So they have done research where they show a patient to a dog and the dog is trained because apparently cancers have a unique odor and the dogs are trained to pick up on the, I think it was accidentally discovered that they could do this because a lady said that she had a dog or something. The dog kept going at this particular mole that she had, kept sniffing it, kept sniffing it. And she went to the doctor because she's like, my dog keeps sniffing this mole. Like what's going on? And it was cancerous. So now they have trained dogs with something like 90 something percent accuracy to identify moles that are in their precancerous or can cancerous stages before they have spread. And they're very, very adept at it. They're very good. And they will literally go from like one mole to the next and they sniff. And when they stop, you know, the trainer will give them a treat. And that particular skin mole will tend to be cancerous. So, you know, their sense of smell can be utilized um, for so many different things. So, yes. And Debbie says Shiloh. By the way, I've met little Shiloh and he is so cute. And he absolutely loves me. Anytime I go by Debbie's, Shiloh is, um, he's like my little boyfriend. He doesn't want to leave me alone. He's like, yeah, I got a friend now. We're going to hang out. And she says, Shiloh likes to perform an autopsy in every stuffed toy. Well, Coco's going to do more than autopsy. She's going to pull it apart. Um, but yes, and you know, I think that that is how dogs can sense fear, is that they can smell fear. Because when you're fearful, you emit certain chemicals. And I think that's when dogs know that you're afraid. Um, and likewise, they also know, I think, when someone is a friend. So they sense love. I don't know if love emits a, um, well, we know that people emit, um, what's it called, pheromones when they're in love with each other. So maybe when we're pet friendly and we love dogs, when we see them, we emit a certain thing too. Because dogs seem to know who their human friends are and who really loves them. Um, you know, anytime I go out, like if I were to go by Debbie's house or to be around Shiloh, 
when I come back home, Coco knows that I've been around another dog. She's like, oh yeah, I can smell that dog or cat even. So uh, speaking of dogs, um, this is a very, very sad situation. A little boy in Jamaica, I don't know if you guys saw this in our regional news section, was hospitalized after a vicious attack um, on him. I think he's only five years old. He was mauled by dogs in St. Anne on Sunday, and he had to be hospitalized. And they're saying that these dogs have a history of aggression. Of course, no one wants to um, wants to um, own the dogs now, so who knows? But there's a story here, there's an interview um, with the pastor who transported the little boy to the hospital. Folks, let me warn you that the um, photos and video footage of this, I don't think uh, Danica put the video in the, um, in the, um, my God, I don't think she put the video in the uh, story, but there is a video in circulation of this poor child and it's horrible. His skull is literally off. I don't even know how many dogs it was that attacked him. He's only five years old and it's said that the dogs were known to make attacks on the walk in public. And it's been a long standing area near Alexandria and St. Anne. And, um, you know, apparently they kept, they've made after this little boy before, but this time they really rushed him and just about eight dogs. And you know, the thing with dogs, folks, they are pack animals. So they respond. If there's a leader in the pack and the leader starts something, the other dogs will join in kind of like human beings. That's why I think sometimes we're not, we're part of the animal um, kingdom and we're not that far from uh, far removed for some other animals, right? So they literally um, rushed this little boy and attacked him. And then it becomes a, a frenzy where every dog is trying to get in there and trying to attack. I don't know if you've ever been uh, part of a dog fight or you've ever tried to part a dog fight before, but it is one of the, the most horrible things, even when they're fighting each other, to try to part them and to try to get in the middle of that because they will often in, in their heightened state, they will often attack you. And sometimes it's like, oh, well, these dogs are lovely and they're otherwise really nice. But when they're fighting, they are fighting to the death sort of situation. I have had two um, male dogs before. Uh, one was about 65 pounds and one was 35 pounds or so. And sometimes they would fight over their toys. Like they would, you know, we, it's like living with anybody else. Sometimes people get on your nerves. The dogs would get on each other's nerves and um, they would start fighting over a toy. They never really fought over food, but if one was playing with a toy and, and sometimes it started as a little tug of war and then it would get out of hand. So as a dog owner, I was always keen because I could sense after a while when a fight was coming. I could see the look in their eyes, the hair standing up on the back. I could see when things were going to turn for the worse. And so I would snap them out of it because literally they get into this rage. And then once the fight is on, it becomes that much harder to part them. I imagine probably if you have kids, more than one child, this happens all the time, right? And so I have um, witnessed that for myself. I have seen it in action. And I remember with my little Rupert and Oscar, when they would get in a heightened state, I would 
put them in their own corner. Like, hey, snap out of it. Like you literally have to snap them out of it. And a couple of times, you know, early on, I didn't catch it in time and they would fight. And then trying to break it up, like I said, is not always the most pleasant thing in the world. It's like you need a cup of cold water to throw on them for them to be like, whoa, whoa, what are we doing? Why are we fighting each other? This is really my best friend because they love each other. I mean, if you know that dogs can actually care and love each other, then you have an understanding, you know. Um, but despite that bond, there are times that they would fight. Um, they were never really aggressive towards other people, although Oscar was the type of dog that I had to watch around children in particular because he was a little bit passive aggressive. So like if a child had a plate of food in their hand and Oscar wanted the plate of food, he was going to take it. He was literally going to get up on his two back legs, knock the food down, knock the child over, not with the intent of attacking the child, but with the intent of just taking the food. And so he was always, I never had any issues with Rupert around people. He was with people. He was like the perfect dog, the most loving. You raised your voice at him. He was like, okay. He put his head down. He was just very controllable like that. Oscar, on the other hand, and this shows you how different like dogs can have different personalities based on their breeding and different things about them genetically even, you know? Oscar, on the other hand, was not particularly um, inclined to like you raising your voice at him. So if you raised your voice at Oscar, he was more likely to get aggressive, more aggressive with you. So like they were very opposite in personalities in that way. And in fact, I'll never forget that um, one time um, my ex-husband at the time raised his voice at Oscar and kind of had him cornered and Oscar really felt the pressure and he bared all of his teeth. And I've never seen one of my dogs do that, but he like bared all of his teeth to say, you need to get away from me because I'm about to attack you. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need to de-escalate the situation back up from the dog. The dog just sent you a very firm warning that I'm uncomfortable with the situation. You're too close. I don't like your tone of voice. I don't like your body language because dog picks up on all these things. You know, I don't like your scent that you're emitting to me right now. And once I show you my teeth, the next step is I'm going to bite you. Um, I've been bitten by a dog before. It was actually an accidental biting by a dog named Prince that I grew up with in Tampa. But um, yeah, so, you know, dogs are amazing in so many ways, but this story illustrates why it's very, very important to have dogs, stray dogs in your community, um, not be stray dogs. People need to take ownership of these dogs. You need to have your dogs spayed and neutered. You need to have them fixed. And if you cannot be a responsible pet owner, as we saw during the hurricane, which by the way, I never had an opportunity. This was on my list since two weeks ago from thunderstorm um, uh, Ita. And it's been coming up and my mind, and every time I'd put it on the show list, we would always get inundated with something else and I'd forget to mention it. So this is an ample opportunity for me to now address this issue because this is an issue that is very important to me. If you cannot care for your dogs, and um, this was a jackass of the day photo that we had up, and I don't know who the owner of this dog is, but whoever the owner of this dog is, and there was numerous dogs like this around the world, you are the jackass of the day. You cannot leave a dog tied up during a storm 
so that when, you know, several feet of water come in, this is what the dog is standing in. The dog can't lie down to sleep. It can't sit down to sleep in this water. It has to stand up the entire time. So imagine if that poor lady at Subway is so sleepy from overworking herself. How do you think your dog, after going through a storm with flying debris, we see the banana leaves in the background, the banana trees have fallen down, et cetera, et cetera. How do you think this poor dog is doing in the storm? You see how his tail is even positioned? This dog is fearful. So two things, if you are not prepared to be the type of owner that will be able to take care of your dog indoors when a storm hits, perhaps you do not need to have a dog, none at all. This is disgusting. And um, I just wanted to say that that's the sort of thing here that really gets under my skin. There's so many people who have dogs in the Cayman Islands. I don't know why, for the sake of saying they have a dog, but they're horrible in terms of how they treat their dogs. They don't feed them well. They don't take care of them. I was speaking to a lady yesterday about the care of dogs, what's involved. And she said she had no idea until she acquired you know, her ex-husband acquired um, two dogs. And it's like, you've got to brush their coat. You've got to clip their nails. There are things that you need to do. You cannot allow your dogs to roam around the neighborhood, creating um, a disaster or being a nuisance to other people. Uh, there are laws against it, first of all. And secondly, it's completely inhumane. And in a case like this, you get a pack of dogs together. They will attack people and they will attack a child. Remember the last governor, Helen Kilpatrick, was attacked by a pack of dogs on the beach? Before she had been attacked by those dogs, I had been highlighting this situation for years because unfortunately Coco and I lived next door to a dog that was like terror on wheels. Um, the dog had fixated on her as, oh, she's the dog next door that comes out and gets to walk and whatever when I'm tied up. So anytime that dog could pop off of its leash, or come out of whatever kennel they had it in, the first thing it did was to look for where my dog was. And on four separate occasions, we were walking on the public road or coming out of my apartment complex and this dog attacked us with a vengeance. And the worst attack happened late at night when I was letting Coco out. I was walking her on her lead and this dog came out of nowhere. Of course, 10 o'clock at night, you're not even expecting it. And this dog literally just rushed us grabbed a hold of Coco because the other times, luckily Coco was able to like run around in circles and the dog, Coco was faster than the dog, right? In this case, we had literally, we were still on our doorsteps and the dog just boom, hit us. And I was like, what is this? And it was full attack mode. The dog was a lot bigger than Coco. It's one of those um, English bull terriers, you know, the ones that you see in the Target commercial with the little circle around its eye. They have very powerful head muscles and poor Coco was in a fight for her life. And so um, thanks to my then boyfriend, now husband, Marlon, he was actually able to save Coco's life because he rushed outside. He was over at the time, he rushed outside to her rescue. And if I tell you what force it took to get that dog off of Coco, all of the hitting and kicking did nothing to the dog. The dog had a death grip on my dog. I mean, it was just unbelievable. She was gonna kill Coco. 
And finally, he took off his belt buckle and hit the dog in the eye. And that is the only reason she let up for a quick second. Quick enough for Coco to run back inside. Poor Coco was injured. We had to take her to the vet. We had a vet bill. Thankfully, nothing serious. She had not punctured any organs or anything like that. But Coco was in a lot of pain. And despite that, she still ran upstairs in my apartment and hid under the bed to save her own life. Um, another occasion, she actually ran around the back door and Coco just stayed by the back door, afraid to even move. And I tell you what, folks, if you've ever had a dog attack you, you will know that this is not um, something to joke about. And that's why I feel the pain of this family. There is an interview in the um, story with the pastor who helped to transport the little boy. Um, listen to it because it is just absolutely shocking, folks. Unbelievable what has happened to this child. And so I'm here thinking about, reminiscing about my four attacks and it's bringing back a lot of memories. Folks, if you cannot be responsible pet owners, I know from my own personal experience that not all breeds of dogs and not all dogs are easy. The English Bull Terrier has a reputation for attacking smaller animals and killing smaller animals. And, you know, one of the things you could try to do early on is to um, try to socialize them with other dogs, but it doesn't always work. This particular dog was socialized well with its own pack, so its own siblings. When they would come over, it would play well with them. But it had fixated on Coco as the dog next door that it wanted to kill. And police were called, you know, it just went on and on. And one day the police came out and they said, you know, we come over here and the dog seems friendly to us. And I said, really? I said, that shows how much or how little you know about animals, educate yourselves. And I said, let me show you what happens when my dog comes outside. So I'll never forget, um, this was Sergeant um, Brad Ebanks, I think was his name. Uh, he was at Bodden Town at that time. And I said, just stay right here. And I went inside my house, brought Coco outside. No line of sight. So the dog couldn't see Coco, but the dog could smell and sense that Coco was outside. And all of a sudden, the dog went berserk. And then the officer who'd been sitting there telling me that this is the cutest, cuddliest little bull terrier, solid 45, 50 pounds worth of meat, right? Um, when he saw how that dog started to react, once it knew that my dog was outside, then he said, oh, now I see. I'm like, really? You people really need to educate yourselves. I'm like, I've been telling you this forever. This dog is a clear and present danger. And do not think just because it's fixated on my dog that it can't get fixated on something else, like somebody's child in the neighborhood. You know, that's what happens. So eventually they ordered the removal of the dog temporarily until they could build a container that the dog could not get out of because what kept happening is however they had the dog tied up, the dog would manage to get out. And you know the ignorance of people, um, that lady, I think her name was Jackie, she's from Honduras. Um, when we had to go to court for her to pay Coco's vet bills, because yes, she's gonna pay for it. She ends up telling the judge that I was antagonizing her dog by bringing my dog outside. So I'm like, okay, I'm not allowed to walk my dog in a public street. I'm not allowed to come outside. My dog isn't allowed to come outside. I'm like, nobody's antagonizing your dog. 
you know, oh, well, my dog barks at the fence. I'm like, that's what dogs do. But what my dog will not do is attack a person or attack another dog. That will not be permitted. And not once, not twice, but on four separate occasions. And so again, it comes down to ignorance. People have dogs, they don't know anything about them. They don't know anything about the breed. They think, oh, the dog is cute or the dog is gonna be a good guard dog. They treat the dogs less than humane, horribly. They'll be full of ticks. One time the, that same dog had so many ticks. It was a white dog and you thought the dog was black because of the number of ticks that it had on it. Our animal control officials, we've got one animal welfare officer. He's overworked and underpaid and the courts are just not ready to deal with the amount of abuse and neglect that happens in this country with animals. Like, I feel like we need to reduce the dog and animal population because most people are simply not taking care of them and it's not right. So, um, Walton says, has anyone ever um, visited the pub and grave in Scotland of the dog that coined the saying, a dog is man's best friend? It's quite a story. Um, I haven't, but I can certainly imagine that that is the case, but we have to be their best friend too. You know, we have an obligation if you're going to have a dog. Yes, build them a dog house. Do you know how hot it gets outside in the sun? No fresh water, no shade, even a dog house. I got to be honest with you. If you're out in the dog house, literally, in 100 degree weather, that is beyond hot. So I'm never impressed, folks, with people who get dogs and treat them horribly, don't do the things that they need to do. And when you start talking to people about how they should treat their dogs, they act like something's wrong with you. Like, oh, well, um, you're the one who, you know, you don't need to treat a dog so poshly. I'm like, really? Making sure a dog has fresh waters, treating them poshly? Like, come on, folks. We need to do better in this country. And this storm, once again, highlighted all of the horrible ways in which we are treating our animals. So Debbie shares that she was a volunteer for PAWS and have seen the abuse firsthand and can't even feed themselves, but have numerous dogs tied up in their yards. Complete idiots. Yes, I agree with you, Debbie. You can't feed yourself. You can't feed your dog. Don't have them, right? Turn them over to the Humane Society. And unfortunately, the Humane Society sometimes has to put dogs down because there are too many. Even the so-called house dogs are mistreated and abused. That's how the first time 10 years ago, folks, how I was dragged into court was over a house dog that was tied up on the porch, had little to no human contact, so much so that when the dog came into my yard, the owner didn't even know for days that the dog was missing. A house dog, you can imagine. Had it on an automatic feeder, put down little papers for it to use the bathroom all over the place. The dog was so crazy that every night the dog would run in circles because it didn't get exercise. It didn't get out to see anyone. It didn't get out to do anything. Well, you know, for the short space of time that I had that dog, that dog lived the best life. Dog went on a boat trip. Dog went out and about to see people, went for a car ride. The dog learned how to jump up on furniture. 
My dog had never, he didn't even know how to jump. I was like, what kind of dog doesn't know how to jump on a sofa? Cause it never seen a sofa to jump on. It was just unbelievable. Caymanians, please, I beg you, do better, do better. This is one area that we have a horrendous record um, of, and we continue to do it time and time again. Shape up, shape up. Folks, Black Friday is coming up. In case you hadn't noticed, I keep getting all these emails about this being on sale and that being on sale for Black Friday. So if you're going to do your little Christmas shopping, um, get yourselves together for that because that's where it's at. That's what's going on. Um, and I think that's all I've got for you today. Tune in at seven o'clock. Let's talk about, I think we'll discuss the CBC, uh, the fact that the AG's office has lost that case in a most spectacular fashion, an emailed surface that demonstrated um, that it looks like their client, CBC, the chief medical officer, may have been hiding evidence from the court and disclosure documents. Folks, you can't make this stuff up. The AG's office needs to get it together. They represent government departments and government agencies that are doing wrong. And no matter who you are, you cannot, you cannot excuse wrong. And the judge is on to them. So let's talk about it this evening. Goodbye, Walton, Irvlin, Debbie, Atlas. All of you have a super productive day, folks. And uh, we will see you this evening at 7 p.m. Folks, do not steal from other people. Young lady, stop stealing. You've now ruined your career opportunities here in the Cayman Islands. I don't know what family you're working for as a nanny, but I'm sure they're now aware of your shenanigans. You've embarrassed your Filipino community. You're an embarrassment to all of us. Keep the stealing at bay. In the long run, your reputation is worth far more than any dollar amount that you could have possibly stolen. Have a fabulous day, folks. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at CaymanMarlRoad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings. 